make somebody miss. That's exactly what it is. Is I'm a north to south type of guy. You know what I'm saying? I don't try to run around you. I ain't really want to make no move. I want to run you over. And, you know, that's something I got to work on. You know what I'm saying? I got it in my bag, but my prior, my primary move, I'm, I'm trying to run you over. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and we're here to discuss the Gamecocks 47-6 to win over Vanderbilt in a rainy, kind of gross day on Saturday. Um, that gets them one, one step closer to bowl eligibility. You uh, had to win one game at a time like we talked about before this four-game stretch. You're halfway there. Halfway there, yep. Uh, now, granted, you probably are through the easiest half, and now you have the hardest half uh, remaining, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, that was Josh Simon there at the uh, top of the show. Um, I wanted to lead with him, one, because he had another great game in Trey Knox's absence. Um, we thought Trey Knox would play, but then uh, we found out after the game that they didn't want to risk it with the with the rain and the hamstring. He did go injury. through warm-ups. Yeah. Um, his left leg was pretty heavily wrapped up. But he did go through warm-ups. He was on the sideline. He was in uniform. Um, I'm not going to make any comment on next week. Uh, but he's at least healthy enough to do football things. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, 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 it was kind of a gross day. Uh, you had things in hand pretty much from the word go. Um, perhaps if it was a closer game, we would have seen a little bit more knocks. But no reason to uh, risk it when you got these two big games coming up. Um but anyway, so Josh Simon played 49 snaps, had an 81.4 PFF rating, uh, which I believe was the highest. Yeah, uh, he and Xavier Legat uh, and Lenora Sellers all at 81 uh, on the game. Um, and we were talking before this game, Josh Simon actually has an extra year of eligibility, which uh, was a little bit surprising to me when I found out. Um, I was curious because I knew Knox did not. Uh, and I looked it up, and um, he started early enough that he got the COVID year, and he had an injury year. So um, I, that doesn't necessarily mean he's definitely going to come back, but uh, that would be a boost <laughs> for next year or whatever. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, pretty much everything you needed to see if you're a South Carolina fan, I think. Um, obviously, Vanderbilt is not a good football team. Uh, that was their ninth straight loss. Um, they have deficiencies on both sides of the ball. Really, all three sides of the ball, as we saw a, a punt black a punt block for a touchdown as well. Um, but still, I mean, coming off that shaky victory against Jacksonville State, uh, you really needed a momentum game heading into Kentucky and Clemson, and you got that really on every side of the ball. Uh, defense pitched a shutout to the fourth quarter, still only let them score six points. Ultimately, uh, offense scored forty. Well, offense and special teams scored forty-seven. Uh, Rattler looked on point. Um, Xavier Leggett, another 100-plus yard game, puts him over 1,000 yards for the season, which we talked a little bit about last week, making him, what, the seventh Gamecock to ever do that? Sixth? Fifth. Fifth. Seventh season to do that, maybe? Sixth season, I believe. Okay. Uh, I believe Sidney Rice did it twice. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what were your takeaways, I guess, being in the building? Uh, the crowd was a little wet, but seemed a little happier than the week before. Um, I think you got to just start with the conversation we had on Thursday about if there is a week this defense is going to dominate someone, you're going to have to see it this week. Um, credit where it's due, dominant all over them. Um, 
not only did Vanderbilt only score six points, there was never really a point where you felt like they could move the ball. They had one drive, first drive of the second half. They got down in the red zone, but you made a big play there. That was DQ Smith made a fourth down tackle to, at the time, keep the shutout. Um, that three three five package, we've talked about that a couple times now that they brought out um, for the AM game. You saw more of that. You saw more like depth of that nose tackle spot specifically. Jamal Weiss had a fumble recovery. DeAndre Martin played for the first time all year. We haven't talked about him at all, obviously, but he was out there. Um, and then you saw, I think, the main the piece of that, and Beamer called, he said he is the package. Uh, Bam Martin Scott, uh, before Saturday's career high in tackles for a game was four. He had 12 all over the field, coverage, um, rushing the passer a little bit, good in space, good tackle, had a couple of plays on special teams. Um, I think maybe you've seen his role jump a little bit a, because Mokaba got hurt in week one, but also just kind of if you can have three linebackers on the field and you want a linebacker who can kind of do a little bit of everything, we saw him in kind of a hybrid role last year. Um, I think that was kind of my big takeaway is that you kind of got, again, Vanderbilt caveats, but you kind of got a weapon there, Van Martin Scott. Uh, Bieber just called him a football player after the game. I think he's defensive to carry on Joyner. How's that? Yeah, uh, and the numbers bear that out. He had 43 snaps. Uh, he was the highest rated linebacker, perhaps the highest rated, uh, second highest rated defensive starter behind Nick Amenwari, but he had an 80.5 PFF rating. Sorry, third highest. Tonka Hemingway was the highest with a 92.1. Yeah, he was uh, really good. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's, it's a little frustrating, I guess, that it took this long to figure out. We did mention in the offseason um with the way that the defensive line seemed to be shaking out that it might be something worth exploring um but also we thought you were gonna have mocab at that point whatever so anyway it it took a long time to get there but they got there and uh it seems like the 335 is here to stay at least through the end of this season um and seems like it's it's working um I, and it's working both in the run game and in the pass game or at least again against vanderbilt caveats and all those things but held uh ken skills ken seals to a 46 percent uh completion percentage and vanderbilt did combine for 130 yards rushing but no individual rusher had over 38 yards a lot of garbage time um, in there too right so uh really strong defensive performance when you really needed it how much of that is going to translate over the last two weeks uh yeah, kind of hard to say um it's kind of its own own demon there this this past week, I think. But uh, you did what you had to do. Um, I think it was probably really nice as well to see special teams have a bounce back game, um, see Mario Anderson continue to show out. And then uh, something that we talked about pregame was we hope that they can get out to enough of a lead to see some Lenora Sellers. He gets in, has another highlight play, uh, just like he did earlier in the year against Furman. Um that's another takeaway here. Again, it was very much in garbage time at that point, but 2-0, and 1-1, and or 0-2 these last two weeks. However it ends, we're going to have eight months of Lenore Sellers hype between now and next August, and I'm not even saying that's wrong. Um, he's come in the game twice and led touchdown drives both times, Furman, Vandy, like three touchdown drives. He had two against Furman. Um, you feel good about that position right now going into 2024. That's not necessarily what we're here to talk about. Uh, there's still two pretty big football games left in 2023 and a third if you end up winning both of those. But uh, I think you feel good about that spot. And I'm going to go back to what I said when we were doing bold predictions back in August. 
And I said, if this team makes a bowl, that's going to be Lenora Siller starting it. Um, I don't know. It's a long way to go. They got to win two games. But if you're in a world where Spencer Rattler wants to opt out of the Gasparilla Bowl or whatever to get ready for the draft, and maybe we get a Lenora Siller show, they could win these last two. Interesting thing there also is you have four-star Dante Reno coming in as well. Um, quick look at his high school stat lines at the moment. He is completing 63% of his passages his senior year. He's thrown for almost 2,000 yards through seven games, 16 touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, by all accounts, you know, he's used every offseason thus far to get a little bit better and has a good head on his shoulders. And I think, yeah, that's going to be an interesting battle to watch play out. Not to mention you already have like Tanner Bailey and uh, Luke Doty and all that on the roster too. So something's going to have to give, but a good problem to have. And I I think you probably feel obviously Rattler's having a great season. Uh, We think that he's probably played his way into a day two-ish sort of pick um, in the NFL draft. Uh, So, you know, not to discount that that's going to take a lot to replace but you feel like you have a pretty good um, mix uh, in the quarterback room going forward, I think. I think my other, excuse me, my other takeaway from Saturday is something Beamer talked about yesterday on the teleconference. You know what they did Saturday for the first time all season? I'm going to throw it to you for a quick question. There's a lot of things, but one, you know what I have in mind? Something they did up front? On offense or defense? Offense. Um... I saw that J- John Darius Morgan got 18 snaps. Is that well? There was that. He did play some tight end actually, which is interesting. We can talk about that in a second. But they started the same five offensive linemen two weeks in a row. Mm. Jack State, Dan. Yeah. I guess it's not technically Saturday. It's half of that was against Jack State, but that's sure, the first yeah. time all year you've had a continuity built five up front. You had the five, even if that's what you like, the five you have right now, whatever you want to call it. But you got. Um, Vershawn at right tackle. You still got Nick at center. Tro and Tree are still in there. Um, and there's no reason to, nobody got hurt. Again, you can roll those same five out against Kentucky if you want to, and no reason to think they won't. Um, again, it comes back to took a while to come around, but it's November, and you finally, I think, have your offensive line continuity, at least for, for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and really those five all played every like relevant snap in yeah. the game. Uh, Trovan Ball actually played every snap in the game because you have no backup right guard right now. So uh, still very thin and scary there, I guess. Uh, you'd have to shuffle, shuffle some things around. Um, but all the other guys, all the other four guys, 56 out of 61 snaps. So um, you would like to have the depth, but there's two games left and you just create, cross your fingers and hope that those five guys can make it through those two and you have your best possible front, I think, uh, right there. Yep, I I agree with you there. That's just another thing you uh, point to as a positive from Saturday. If we're going to get into a negative, I think you have to talk about the depth at other positions a little bit, namely running back. Juju McDowell broke his collarbone in the first quarter. He is out for the season these last two games. Hate that for him. on Joyner was on a scooter on the sideline. He Beamer said, well, he said post-game Saturday he's doubtful for next week. Yesterday he kind of walked that back to questionable. Um Either way, he was on a scooter. He had a boot on that foot. Um, I think right now you kind of have to plan on only having two scholarship running backs going into that Kentucky game with Mario Anderson and DJ Braswell. And whether that's Bradley Dunn or DJ Twitty or whatever else you do with that that third spot, you're going to need someone to step up. 
Yeah, and I think Braswell is very uh, talented. Um, he's going to have to have to step up in a tough spot. And at the moment, you know, this last game wasn't his best reflection. Five rushes for four yards. So, um, I mean, even Mario Anderson, he had the long touchdown run, which was incredible, by the way. Uh, yeah. If for some reason anyone listening didn't see it, go back and watch it. But um other than that, I think he was averaging like four point something a carry on the other eight carries. So not a ton of a running game to speak of. That might be okay. Um, but it'd be nice, you know, to be able to rely on on a little bit, especially against as as the competition level certainly ramps up in the next two weeks. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes it kind of flows into stuff we've talked about pretty much all season with trying to work around your running game, work around some deficiencies you have there. Um, you can throw, if we're going to start looking at next week a little bit and kind of how you might work around that, you can throw the ball on this Kentucky defense. Um, I know Alabama's Alabama, and I'm not trying to put South Carolina in that bucket at all, but Jalen Milrow had a very good day against Kentucky's defense uh, on Saturday. Alabama goes to Lexington and wins that game by 28 points. That's Kentucky's fourth loss in their last five games. Um, I also think there's something to be said for getting to play Kentucky the week after Alabama as well. <laughs> like, um, generally speaking, Alabama beats up on teams pretty good physically, emotionally, whatever. Um, so I do think that that could work to South Carolina's advantage, but on paper, they and Kentucky are probably fairly similar. Uh, if you play that out, I think they are very similar. I also think there's a, I don't even know how to say this without some Kentucky podcast grabbing it and making me bulletin board material. Like if you ask, if you ask the motivation question right now, I think that probably falls in South Carolina's favor, just trying to stay alive for a bowl game. Not only does Kentucky already have six wins, Kentucky has a rivalry game the next week too with Louisville. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying Kentucky's going to go into South Carolina and lay down. They for sure want to beat South Carolina after what happened in that game last year. But if you start to set this up, you are at home at night, with more to play for your offensive lines, healthier Kentucky's beat up after Alabama, Kentucky's reeling right now. If, like I said, they've lost four out of five and the one win was against a Mississippi state team on a third string quarterback who just fired their head coach. Um, do you like that? We're going to talk about it more Thursday, but do you like the early look right now for South Carolina Saturday? Yeah. I, I was just going back through Kentucky's schedule a little bit uh, as you were talking about it, which, yeah, like you said, we'll have plenty of content on it on GamecockScoop.com throughout the week. Uh, but if we're just going to talk about it really quickly, um, it seems like they've had a consistency problem, right? So it's which Kentucky team is going to show up? Is it the Kentucky team that beat Florida 33 to 14? Uh, or is it the Kentucky team that uh, squeaked by Vanderbilt? Is it the Kentucky team that hung with Missouri pretty well till late or, or and Tennessee? Um, or is it the one that got blown out last week against Alabama, which granted Alabama's Alabama. Um, so, I mean, a lot of their losses have been against really tough opponents, but it also seems like they've been a little up and down on their performance regardless of opponent. Yeah. And, you know, there's not really a lot you can go on for the road thing too. You know, they did go to Vanderbilt and win Vanderbilt. They did go to Mississippi State and win. That was with uh, Will Rogers and Mike Wright, both injured third-string quarterback. And they lost to Georgia, which I'm not going to dig them for. Um, so no, going weren't, this, weren't even competitive in it, to be fair. So yeah, and a lot of a lot of teams have been competitive competitive against Georgia this year, including um, South Carolina. 
I think this, again, just kind of, if we're setting it up early, just comes back to the question we asked going into this game last year. And a lot of games, can you stop the run? Because for all the things Kentucky doesn't have, Kentucky does have Ray Davis, and he's closing in on a 1,000-yard season. Yeah, and Leary is obviously a competent quarterback that can have flashy games. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I do think the fact that you're at home at night um, with that crowd behind you, with all the stakes and motivation that you mentioned before, do play into South Carolina's advantage, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, we'll have more on that throughout the week on GameCockScript.com. We'll be back here Thursday for that. But let's talk a little basketball. So uh, the season's fully underway. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the women's team's win over Notre Dame last week, if you want to check that out. We also talked about the men's opening season win, um, but we were kind of questioning whether it was fool's gold or not, and I think we got a little bit more insight on how good this team can be uh, although you know it's still early in the season we still don't necessarily know uh, how good or not that win against Virginia Tech the other night will look but a tough win uh, in a neutral environment against an ACC team yeah I think my takeaway there you said tough win I use the word gritty uh, post game that's just a difficult game um, again we don't know how good Virginia Tech is they were picked about mid I think they were picked eighth in the, in the ACC out of 15 so about mid-pack preseason um that was a slog. That was a war. Um, that was a tough game. That was a game where the officiating, I don't want to say it was against you, but at one point the free throws were 20 to four Virginia tech. Um, you weren't necessarily getting the calls your way and you fought through it. You, I think you saw the outside shooting, uh, miles studio, I think it was five for six from three. You saw that go again. You here's, here's maybe where I'll start this. Michi Johnson was quiet. 11 points, but seven of them were in about a minute where he just kind of got hot near the end of the first half. And you still scored over 70 points. You still did enough to win the game. Your offense looked in control with Michi Johnson having one of the quieter games he's had in a South Carolina uniform. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a sample size at this point, but through two games, your five uh, starters, or at least the five guys that are on the floor the most, and B.J. Mack, Miles Stute, Talon Cooper, Michi Johnson, and Jacoby Wright um, are all averaging double digits uh, scoring. Yep. So um, obviously there will be times where one of them goes a little cold, someone has to pick up the slack, all those sorts of things. But I think that the fact that you feel fairly comfortable with five different guys scoring the ball uh, is a different team than you were last year. Um, and I, I'll, I'll go out on a limb, although I don't think this is too crazy of a limb. Um and say through two games, we can definitively say that maybe the media was a little quick to put them in the basement of the SEC as far as last last. Because uh, so far, I don't think that they've looked like the last place SEC team. Do they look like the first place SEC team? No, but the, I, I, don't I, I do think. Uh, go ahead. No, I just I don't I I think that uh, if they can continue to show what they've shown the first two weeks. Uh, this should be around a 500 uh, basketball team by a season's end. I, I don't know how much you've looked around the SEC. And again, it's been a week, so everybody pace yourselves. But right. LSU lost at home to Nichols on Friday. Vanderbilt lost at home to a Presbyterian team, but I think won like four games last year. Um, so that just that's kind of further built. Mizzou got popped at home by Memphis. Granted, Memphis might be pretty good, but still um, – you just look around, no, this probably isn't the worst team in the SEC. This wasn't the worst team in the SEC last year either. Finished 12th out of 14. Um, yeah, and something we talked about was, and look, we're all guilty of this if we are the media 
covering from like a broad lens instead of covering the team that we focus on all the time, like you and I do. Um, what the broad lens media saw was South Carolina was not that good last year and they lost their best player in Gigi Jackson. And they're like, well, they're going to be worse. Um, but what we talked about a few weeks ago when we were previewing this is I think they're just a lot more balanced than they were last year. Um, you don't have to have Gigi score 30 points a game uh, to still find a way to win basketball games. And I think looking at the schedule ahead is where this Virginia Tech game is really encouraging um, because those of you that are listening, if you haven't checked out South Carolina's non-conference schedule, it is very easy. <laughs> um, they got VMI tonight, uh, which you'll be at. Um, they got DePaul, Notre Dame, who hasn't looked that good, George Washington. Uh, they're at Clemson. That'll be a test. Uh, they're at East Carolina, Charleston Southern, Winthrop, Elon, Florida A&M, and that's the entire non-conference schedule. So you really have an opportunity to enter conference play with one or two, maybe three losses. Um, and then, yeah, if you can have a decent, doesn't even have to be uh, exceptional uh, conference uh, schedule or whatever, then it, it starts to get interesting, at least when it, we're thinking about the ceiling of this team. Yeah, and I think, I can't believe I've gone this long without mentioning it, but BJ Mack, that was your big transfer of the offseason. BJ Mack looked fantastic on uh, Saturday, on Friday night, especially in that second half. He kind of took over when he needed someone to take over, which some of this team didn't really have last year in spots. Um, obviously, he scores the game winner, game's tied, last possession, or I guess last offense possession. Goes down low, posts up its little turnaround shot with 20 seconds left, puts you ahead. You get a defensive stop. I'm trying to think. I believe it was Talon Cooper who got a hand on that last ball, forced a tie up. Uh, you had the possession there to go the other way. Um, he's looked good so far, too. That is as advertised with his passing. Um, top 10 in the country and assists on a bad Minnesota team. You know he's got the vision. You know you get the better shooters around him here, and you're starting to see that again. Um I think this team's just fun to watch. That's kind of my two-game takeaway. You've got shooters. You've got passers. We talked about them having a bit more of an identity than they did last year. You feel better about the bigs with BJ Mack. Um, I think it's just an entertaining watch. I'm not going to tell you what that means win total-wise on November 13th. Right. Um, but if you're around tonight, give it a watch playing VMI. You might have some fun. Yeah, and I do think uh, this is what Paris needed to do while he's trying to rebuild the brand enough to go pull some big high school recruits uh, is find transfer guys that fit your scheme. Um, maybe aren't being pursued by the, you know, final four teams of the world um, that are just trying to like take it to the next level. Um, and I think we've seen that with Mac. We've seen that with Cooper um, Stute as well. Um Again, not these, not the most flashy guys. They aren't the five-star in the rivals transfer portal rankings or whatever, which, again, is why when a national uh, journalist might be ranking South Carolina, they're like, who is BJ Mack? Um, but it's working. It's working for what he wanted to do. Um, and we'll see if that continues uh, starting tonight. Let's get into the women's who working. Uh, are back as the number one uh, team uh, as of this morning, I believe. Um, they've started their season with two straight, uh, ranked wins, um, in pretty dominant fashion. What is it? What else is there to say? Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Uh, and I've got a couple stories on Gamecock Scoop, uh, one for subscribers, one not for one for everybody. If you want to go check out the website, um, is it good to score, uh, over 100 <laughs> points against top team 
10 just, teams back to back to start the season? Is that you, good? You score 100 against Notre Dame, a top 10 team, a team that was in the second week in a tournament last year. You fly home, you shake off 4,000 miles of jet lag. You play an Elite Eight team from last year, a team who played you for a spot in the Final Four last year, and you put up 114. You had, you've got 11 players on your roster, and seven of them scored in double figures. The three point shootings there, Pow Pow hit four of them, Full Wiley hit two. Um, you shot, you made 12 of them as a team. You still got the inside stuff with Cardoso. Chloe Kitts looks grown, looks more confident, looks better in every way. Um, I think coming in midway through last year was very good for her, just all the way around. She's starting now uh, at her first career double-double yesterday. Watkins with a double-double yesterday. You got some big minutes from Tessa Johnson off the bench. I can go on and on, but... Um, yeah, two two more points. One, I saw the quote in the post game where Maryland's head coach... Uh, said that South Carolina was better than last year, which again, they saw like the elite eight version of South Carolina. They were one of the last teams that saw the 2022-23 team. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty high praise. Uh, granted, I would say that too if I just got beat by 40 points or whatever. <laughs> um, and then my second very important question. So uh, yesterday was the first home game. Uh, is the announcer saying pow, 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 pow every time she scores yet? No, or? although I feel like we might need to get that going uh, if she's going to keep shooting like this. Um, man, or just the uh, crowd, some sort of chant. We, yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Got another home game Thursday against Clemson. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. Don was asked post game if she saw this coming and she just said no. And then if she, I think she said, if you'd saw us practice in July and August, you would never believe this is the same team, which. Some of that's coach speak, maybe um, tempering expectations, whatever, being surprised by this. But also, I think there is truth to the fact that you don't plan for scoring 224 points or 214 points in two games after losing your whole starting five. Well, and, yeah, we we actually talked about this last week. They scored 100 points twice all last season, season and it was against pretty inferior yeah. opponents both times. It certainly wasn't top 10 rated opponents. Um yeah, it's there's a lot to be excited about. Um, you expect to have a good game on Thursday against Clemson, uh, add another win in the rivalry uh, as several of those games are coming up in the next mm -hmm. uh, few weeks. And I don't know if we said this earlier, but the official game time for the football uh, game against Clemson was announced. It's at 730? Yep, 730 SEC Network. Um, so that'll be fun. Back-to-back -back night games to end the season uh, for the football team. Um, one more quick women's basketball note. Starting to look through their non-conference schedule. Um, you, there's a couple games you start to think about in circle. Uh, you have back-to-back -back games um, on Tobacco Road at UNC November 30th, uh, at Duke December 3rd. And then you have a what right now looks like a top-five matchup Utah, uh, yeah. against Utah on December 10th. Um, so some more tests ahead, but so far passing with flying colors. I don't think you could realistically, or well, I was going to say realistically, but even unrealistically, if you had asked a six-year-old to pie in the sky, draw unicorn and lollipops, what's the best start this team could have? This? Like, back-to-back <laughs> yeah. 100-point games? With tons of people contributing yep. uh feeling pretty good into yeah almost the third line of of your lineup <laughs> uh pretty pretty good all right um anything else that we didn't cover in the realm of gamecock athletics from over the weekend 
women's soccer got a tournament win at home. Uh, they're in the second round yeah. at Stanford on Friday. Um, I think that's about it. I think we pretty much hit all the main stuff. Um, I've got a baseball notebook on the website. Last one of those for a while. They finished out their fall circuit last week. Some comments from Mark Kingston there. Um, the fall world series. Yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> for those of you who just missed the spring football game and wish there was equivalent of that in other sports, uh, I've got some fall world series on the site from last week. Do you and, have, uh, a, if I could give, get like a one or two sentence takeaway from where the baseball team's at right now compared to the team that we saw make the super regional last year, do you have any take on that right now? I think the offense is going to be better, honestly, which sounds crazy to say with how good they were last year, but you're bringing most of your guys back. I like a couple of the transfers, Blake Jackson, Kennedy Jones, especially pitching as pieces. It's going to be a work in progress. Um, I think you like what you have maybe with your starting rotation. It's going to be the depth questions that what if those guys get hurt, your bullpen, your midweek, things like that. But I think you love your offense. You like your pitching, but you're going to need to see some more between now and February. That sounds like every Mark Kingston season <laughs> that I've figured, that I've experienced so far. Um, and last year, the pitching did come together uh, yep. at least for through quite a few stretches. Um, so we'll have to see if that's the case this year. Um, all right, uh, we will have more content on GameCockScoop.com every day. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or whatever, make sure you subscribe so you see when we go live or when we post new episodes. And we'll be back here on Thursday to preview a big, big matchup at home in under the lights at williams Bryce against Kentucky um, this weekend. Until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. We'll see you.